Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about the loneliness of God. The loneliness that I believe he experienced when the angels rebelled against him. About two-thirds of the angels did remain loyal, but even though they declared that they would not rebel against him, to what degree would he really be able to trust them? I explained in the previous program that it is my opinion, it's my belief, that he hesitated a little bit. I personally believe that he would have some concern, that he perhaps would not trust the angels like he once did. He went to the garden, the garden in Eden, that he created on this earth. It was a small place, a simple place, where he had Adam and Eve there in the garden. He went to the garden to spend time with his friends, to be there, to walk in the garden and spend time with those with whom he was close to. But by the time he got there, the devil got to them first. He deceived them, he lied to them, and they believed him. They rejected their God. They betrayed their God. And when he arrived, he called out to them, I believe in an expression of loneliness, in the light of the turmoil and the conflict that was taking place in his kingdom. He looked for his friends. He called out for Adam, Where are you? Out of the depths of his feelings he experienced a deeper sense of loneliness not being able to find his friend Adam. When he discovered that they ate from the one tree that he wanted to reserve for himself in the garden that he made, he discovered that they ate from the one tree he had to follow through with justice and remove them from the garden in Eden. He had to change the world he had to change them. He had to make all kinds of changes because of the decision that they made. And he posted an angel at the garden so that no one would ever have access to it again. And at the end of the previous program, I mentioned that I wonder if he ever entered that garden again himself. I have a suspicion that he did not. Personally, I would expect it to be a very painful experience for him to go back, especially with there not being anyone there to share it with. And the memory of what happened with Adam and Eve may very well be more than perhaps he would want to continue with, to continue to take care of the garden, to walk in it, to work in it. It would be a continual reminder of the rebellion that took place, of the changes that took place. He had a profound opportunity for hope and promise with Adam and Eve. 
a profound opportunity in the sense that he allowed them to dwell there in the garden, to be there with him so that they might grow to know who he is, while he would also grow to know who they are and who they would become. He gave them the opportunity to be fruitful and multiply and commanded them to do so. There would be small children who would be born from them, and he would be able to enjoy watching them grow and mature in the garden that he made. He could watch them become adults and have more children and in an exponential way. There could be a continual creation of life, a life of exploration and discovery, and the people who would participate in his garden would be able to enjoy the things that were there. They could use those things to discover new applications for the minerals, for the plants, to the extent where they could develop new things, new ideas, and participate in the creation of life. But that's not what happened. Adam and Eve rebelled, and all that I just described concerning the hope and promise of what could be was not, and would not be, not there, not in that way. I can't help but wonder if he ever returned to the garden again. Many years later, he flooded the earth because. The hearts of men were so wicked, they were so evil, that that was his decision, to simply destroy the earth by the flood. He knew that he would destroy the Garden of Eden at that time, and I can't help but wonder if, perhaps, he might have visited the garden one more time, just before the water came. But regardless of whether he did or he did not. When the water came, the Garden of Eden was completely destroyed. It was the end of a beginning. A new beginning took place from there. There was Noah and his family, and the Lord once again participated in the lives of the people here, giving the promise that He would never again destroy the earth like He did, but that He would actively participate. And be a part of the lives of people, in order to bring about salvation, to bring about a resolution to this problem, to this conflict, as he proclaimed to Adam and Eve when he told them that they would have to leave the garden. He said that the day would come when he would bring the Messiah, who would resolve the issue that was raised by the devil through the serpent. He would resolve the issue of sin. He would bring a resolution. To the problem of sin, and he would one day restore the spirit of life that had been lost in Adam. But the Lord did not dwell in this earth like he did when Adam and Eve were in the garden. He did not dwell in the same way. We do have testimony in the scriptures that tells us that on occasion he did walk among us. We know that he spent time with Abraham, that he walked with him. He talked with him. He ate with him, but we do not have many references concerning how our God participated in this world. I personally am not very surprised to see so few occurrences of the Lord coming here on this earth and being a part of the lives of people. 
I am personally not that surprised because when I think about the intensity of the rejection that he experienced by the angels and then from Adam and Eve and then from the people following who never seemed to turn to him, with some exceptions, of course, there were a few people who walked with God, but for the most part, the majority of the people rejected him. And for the most part, we could even suggest that most of the people did not even acknowledge that he exists. We do know that throughout the course of history, many people have refused to acknowledge the existence of God, let alone want to know who he is. Our God has spent all of this time, thousands of years, he has spent all of this time watching people live watching them die, watching them make their decisions about how they are going to live their lives, being a part of this world in the ways that he could be a part in this world, but doing so in the midst of a hostile environment, a hostile population, the earth filled with so many people who want nothing to do with him at all, who completely reject who he is, In the midst of that, is it any wonder that he would not reveal himself often? A God of deep feelings who has experienced a tremendous amount of rejection, to what degree would he really open himself up to these people? To what degree would he be willing to expose his heart, to reveal the deepest part of his being? his character, his mind, his emotions. To what degree would he be willing to do that to the people who are just simply living their lives for the indulgence of their flesh? To what degree would he really be willing to do that? You know, sometimes people have this attitude that God just simply doesn't participate in our lives enough. He doesn't talk to us enough. If he's such a great God, if he's so wise, if he really wants to be a part of what we're doing, then why doesn't he just come out and do so? Why does he seem to be so secretive? Why does he seem to be so isolated? To the extent where we don't even know if he even exists on occasion. This is the attitude that I personally have encountered as I have lived in this world myself. What does this attitude represent? It represents an attitude that people have no concern, no regard for the feelings of God. Have you no idea, have you no concept of what he went through in order to create this world, in order to create people, only to see the rebellion take place as it did and to see what happened afterwards? And throughout the course of time, people have continually lived in the way that they have, living with their hearts consumed with evil, with self-indulgence. They never seem to have any consideration whatsoever for the one who created this world and them to begin with. And you wonder why he seems to have so little to say. He has a lot to say. He has a lot to express. He has a lot to show. Not just about who he is, but about the world that he made and about the great things that we can do together with him.
but have some understanding concerning the sensitivity of he who defined what sensitivity really is, of the one who created feelings. Have some consideration for the living God who has been through so much. So often we speak of him as the one who can relate to us in the midst of our sufferings, in the midst of the betrayals that we experience, in the midst of the loneliness that we experience. In the midst of that, we have a God who knows what it means to be betrayed. We have a God who knows what it means to be alone. We do. And we can certainly embrace him in that way. And we should embrace him in that way. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, just to give you an example, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot empathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then in verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4, through 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Being born again by the Spirit, being made into a child of God, provides us with access to Him as our High Priest, who knows what it is to suffer, who knows what it is to deal with the temptations of this world, to deal with sin. He knows what that is about. We have a God who comforts us in such a way that we can be fulfilled to the extent where we can comfort others with the comfort that we have received from Him. These are fundamental realities that enable us to begin to grow and mature in our faith. But I believe, eventually, the time should come when you should think not just about yourself, how He may comfort you, how He may have an understanding of you. The time should come as you mature when you ought to consider how you might see Him, how you might understand Him, and how you may relate to Him. Are you the kind of person who He would feel safe opening up to, who He would feel comfortable about exposing his deep feelings to? Are you a friend of God, one with whom he would feel very comfortable speaking with as a friend, to relate to you the burdens that he sees, the burdens that he has, to share those things with you knowing that you will understand? It's one thing for us to look to our God knowing that He understands and that He can relate to us. But at some point, I would like you to consider what it means to be able to relate to Him, so that you may say in prayer, My God, I know, I understand, I can feel what you feel and what you have felt, certainly not to the magnitude that you have, 
but I can understand enough that I can speak to you in prayer. I can speak to you and I can say, I know your heart and I know your burdens and I know your concerns and I just want you to know that I am here for you. That if there ever comes a time when you would like to walk with me, dwell with me, work in my garden, you won't have to stop by and cry out, Where are you? Because I will be here. I will be here for you. I will not just be one who testifies of who you are. I will also be one who will be here for you, to be with you and to be a part of what you are doing, just as I would like you to be a part of what I am doing. When you have a friend with whom you can share experiences with, when you have a friend who is experiencing tribulations or is suffering in ways that you also have suffered, or in a way that you are suffering right now, there is an opportunity to forge a unique bond with that person because you are both able to know what it means to live in that experience. Sometimes when we are experiencing tribulations and sufferings in life, it is so easy to feel as if there is no one else in the world who is experiencing anything like that. It is so easy to feel a deep sense of loneliness. So finding a friend who has either experienced it themselves or who is going through it right now certainly can provide you with a sense of peace as you bond with that individual and as you walk through these struggles together. And as I expressed just a moment ago, we can experience a bond with our God when we can perceive and understand that He can relate to us, that He did live here for a period of time Himself as a man, that He does know what it means to experience betrayal. He does know what it means to be around people who don't really have an interest at all in who He is, in what He has to say. In how he feels, they just simply don't care. He knows what that is. He knows what that's about. But you know what that is also. And you can relate to him. You can relate to him personally in a unique way because you know how he feels just as he knows how you feel. You know how he feels, how he felt. This is an opportunity to experience the bond that you have with your God, for it to be forged stronger, and for you to have a greater appreciation for Him being in you, being with you, dwelling with you, walking in your life with you. You have a God who understands, and you are a person who also understands Him. Embracing both aspects of this struggle gives you a unique opportunity to increase your knowledge and understanding of the relationship that you have with your God. And what I want you to consider through this is that one of the reasons why we probably do not hear from Him very often is because we are perhaps a little preoccupied with our feelings 
with our struggles. And we don't think too much. We don't consider too much what his struggles are, what his feelings are right now in the times that we are in. When he opens himself to us, when he opens himself up to you and shows you things through his eyes, allows you to understand what people are saying through his ears. When he does this, this is not just an opportunity to feel a new bond with your God, but to understand that you have a connection with him. You have a mutual understanding. You have a closeness in the midst of that openness. And this is something that I want you to truly embrace and to recognize that you have a God who is dwelling with you, who will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You will never be alone, and neither will He be alone, especially when He knows that you know what He knows, that you know, that you feel what He feels. With this openness and closeness and this mutual understanding, you have a connection with the living God of this universe. The God who has been somewhat isolated and excluded, who has been living a life of solitude, looking for people who he might be able to open up with, with whom he might be able to experience a personal connection with, with whom he may continue to walk in this world continue to work in this world, drawing people to himself, calling out to them, not with the words of, where are you, but with the words of, come to me. I know where you are. I know who you are. I know what is going on in your life. I know the pain. I know the suffering. I know the loneliness. Come to me and be with me because we do have many things in common, and we can embrace each other, and we can live together in this world and enjoy the world that we have, continue the work of creation in the way that we can to include making new creations in Christ Jesus according to the reconciliation and the resurrection of our God. He was not able to enjoy the children of Adam and Eve in the way that he had hoped, in the way that he could have if they stayed with him, if they did not rebel. But he gets new children, new children in Christ Jesus. And the children that he gets certainly are not the same as what he would have had if Adam and Eve never rebelled, if suffering never entered into the world. Then the people who would have come would never have been able to understand or embrace the depths of these issues, these issues of betrayal, of loneliness, of emptiness, suffering and pain. A person would not know what that really is, and so they would not know what it means to be comforted, and they would not know what it means to be bonded, and they would not know what it means to have a deep connection with someone else. In this way. So while I do believe what he could have had would have been great, 
What he does have now is even greater. And this work that he is involved in, in being fruitful and multiplying the kingdom of God, one person at a time, through salvation, this work is happening right now and will continue for as long as it can continue. Just as God allowed Adam and Eve to work with him in the Garden of Eden, so now he asks you to work with him in this garden, creating new life through the resurrection in Christ Jesus. Sometimes when we think about the life that we could have had, just as God may have thought about the life that he could have had in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, he was not able to see that life realized, that experience realized. We might ourselves also think about the way things could have been, and that might be a significant burden on our lives that could prevent us from moving forward. After the flood of Noah, the Lord spoke with Abraham. He saw that Abraham could be his friend. He saw that Abraham was a man who would believe him, who would listen to him, who would follow him, who would work with him. He didn't send Abraham back in the direction of the Garden of Eden. He sent him away from there, to another land, to the promised land, where the Lord would do something different, in a different place, with different people. And what he was able to accomplish through that, through the giving of the law, through spending so much time working with the children of Israel, he was eventually able to bring about the Messiah to then have new children for himself and to do a new work, again, through the resurrection of the Messiah, he was then able to resurrect others who could then be children of God with whom he might be able to have a personal interactive relationship with. But this was a new thing, and it was a greater thing. The relationship that he can have with us is much fuller, much richer than the relationship that he could have had with Adam and Eve and with their descendants if sin never entered the world. And so have confidence with what the Lord can do. Listen to him, follow him, and let him lead, because he is a God of great things. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net